You know, the longer I teach, the less time it takes me to set up my art room at the beginning of the new school year. Thank goodness. So all y'all newbies who are spending days, just know it does get easier. When I first landed my job at my current school some 15 years ago, I would spend summers just trying to figure out the space. My art room was formerly the school library. It's one big, beautiful rectangular box with windows and cabinets lining the walls. I mean, I don't mean to brag. Well, I mean, I kind of do. I mean, I did literally stalk the previous art teacher for two years just to get myself in that beautiful room. That's right. You heard me. Yelling for a story. Well, you're now at my mercy. I was at my state's fall art teacher and conference, and I was sitting in one of those small sessions where the presenter asked us to do that thing where we go around the room and introduce ourselves and share a little bit about your lives. You know, essentially hell on earth for us introverts. I normally cannot even focus on what others are saying because I'm usually too busy trying to lower my heart rate and think through what it is I'm going to say. Are you like that too? That's what I thought. Well, something about what one woman said caught my attention. She said, hello, my name is Margot. I teach art at an amazing school and I'm going to retire in two years. Y'all, I just about knocked over tables and chairs and pushed down small children and the elderly. I almost kicked puppies and kittens. If they'd have been in there, they would have gotten kicked right out of the way. Y'all know I would never just to go and have a sit and a chat with my new BFF, Margot. You see, despite the fact that I'd moved up from the portable, my very first classroom, to a a bona fide art room and a brand new, newly built school, I was not happy at the school that I was at. Every summer, I was told that our numbers were growing and that my art room may be needed as a classroom. I also just never felt like that school was my home. Maybe it was because I spent the first two years detached from the school, like literally in a trailer. But that feeling of detachment, it never went away, even when we all moved into a new building. And aside from my love for the children that I taught at that school, I just didn't feel any ties that kept me there. And I was ready to move on. So I sidled up to old Margo, I introduced myself, and I asked some not-so-subtle questions about this amazing school that she spoke of. And before long, I had her digits and a date to visit her at her place the following week. Listen, y'all, this woman was not lying. Her art room was beautiful, like breathtaking. All y'all art teachers know that when it comes to art rooms and storage, size does in fact matter. And Margot's room was mammoth. It was like art room porn and I was smitten. And that began my two-year-long adventure of stalking poor Margot.
I attended her art shows. I observed her art classes whenever I could get away from my own classes. And when I finally sat down at the job interview, I was well acquainted with everybody seated around that table, so much so that I half expected one of them to be like, hey, aren't you that girl that Margot got the restraining order against? Hey, get security in here. I started out telling you this tale to share just how big my art room is and how difficult it is to figure out any space spatially, especially when it's a really big room, which is a really awesome problem to have. But you know what? The more that I think about it, the other takeaway could be this. Y'all, if you're not doing this already, start attending workshops and conferences and take classes and get to know people. Introduce yourself, compliment their shirt, learn their interests, talk about your own interests. At the very least, you may end up with a new friend. At the very best, you may end up with a big old art room with more space than you have stuff. I know if you're like me, and I know that this might actually sound strange to you, but I don't consider myself an extrovert. I have to try. I have to really force myself to, I almost said be nice to people, but sometimes it feels that way. You know, I, I have to be in the right mindset, but sometimes you don't have the time to get into that mindset. There's not enough coffee for you to really drink to wake you up and you just have to fake it until you can make yourself into an extrovert and introduce yourself to people. Because like I'm saying, you never, ever know where an amazing opportunity may be. Okay, back to our usually scheduled program. I'm talking to you today, in case you couldn't figure it out, about setting up your art room. When I got that gig and I moved in, I spent my summer days just turning in circles where to even begin. I'd hang a picture here, I'd put a poster there, I'd move my desk from one side of the room to the other. It was like I'd never taught before. I literally had no idea what I was doing, and my art room seemed to stay in this constant state of limbo for weeks. And then I got this idea. What if I put myself in my students' shoes? So I, I took a step outside of my art room and I closed the door. And I stood there for a moment and I thought, how do I want my students to come to my art room? How do I want them to enter, sit down, listen, gather supplies, get to their seats, clean up, and exit? And I then started to get really overwhelmed as my mind started to race. And I had to tell myself, okay, just relax, take a deep breath. Let's take it from the top. What do I want my students to see when they approach my room? How do I want my students to stand and behave as they wait for me to swing open the door, greet them, and hustle them inside? This right here, outside my door, this seemed like a good place to start. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about outside of your art room. Now I know. All of us are in different situations. If you're on a cart, bear with me because we'll get there. If you're in a portable, I get it because I've been there. When my students stand outside my art room, they're to wait in a line quietly. 
That's my routine, my expectation. That's my procedure. Yours may be different. You may be, like I said, on a cart, in a portable, or in some completely different and unique situation, like an underwater art class. I don't know. Regardless, you got to think, how do I want my students to start art? Because the start sets the tone. A solid and sound tone allows for learning to begin quickly and with ease. Without establishing a certain tone, you're going to find yourself at constant battle, calming the students and trying to get their attention. And this just delays learning and creating. And it also can cause frustration for you and your kids. So start outside of your art room. Here's what I do. It's about this time every year. In fact, I'll be doing this on Monday. I start by laying down floor tape that I get from the PE teachers in my building. Floor tape is different than like masking tape and duct tape, which those two things you don't want to put on your floor because they'll leave behind a residue. Floor tape doesn't leave behind a residue, and it does stick really well. I think that's the technical term, but seriously, chat with your PE buddies if you're in need of it. They can tell you either where to get it or if they're nice like mine, they'll just let you borrow theirs. I have a long line of floor tape that begins at my door and trails all the way down the hallway several feet. On the very first day of art, my students see the line and they just instinctively know where to stand, probably because they know that year after year, this is what we do. A little added icing to the cake are the decorations that I put outside of my art room. The decorations, they serve to welcome visitors, to encourage my artists, and to spruce up the hallway, but that's icing on the cake. If you're new, if you're you're just now setting up a brand new room, simply establishing where your kids are going to stand and wait, that's key. Sprucing up outside of your door, like I said, is icing on the cake. For me, it looks like this. I have um, something I call a clipboard gallery. If your students are like mine, they're constantly bringing in artwork to share. And I have a couple of ways to display this artwork, and one of them is my clipboard gallery. It's simply a group of really inexpensive clipboards that I've spray-painted in a variety of colors and hung outside my art room with command Velcro strips. You can find out more details about this on my blog, but it's cheap, it's easy, and it encourages my students to create art on their own, and it also decorates the hall. I also have a a rainbow wreath on my door and a little sign that says, come in, we are amazing, that I've painted, um, along with just a sign that says art, in case all the rainbow stuff was not a clue as to where my door was about to take you. The outside of your art room doesn't have to be decorated and cute, but it certainly doesn't hurt. It allows your artists and, and visitors in your building to know just what colorful and creative excitement they can expect when they cross the threshold of the art room. Now, speaking of, let's talk about entering the art room and your instructional area. So we're going to put ourselves back in our students' shoes, and I want you to walk into your art room. Is there a clear path to where they should go as they walk in? 
In my art room, my students almost always walk directly to my instructional area and they take a seat on the floor. How do you plan to begin your art class? Where will the instructional portion of your art class take place? Let's say that you're on a cart. Each one of your classrooms is going to look different and I cannot even fathom the frustration. I feel like teachers, art teachers on a cart should get paid more. I really do. The struggle has got to be for real. I had a friend who's in my district. She told me she taught on a cart and there were stairs. Stairs, not an elevator. And she had to get from one floor to the next with a cart. I, I can't even. Y'all, my hats are off to you. And I, since I've never been in that situation, I can only offer you advice, but I can't guarantee that what I'm about to say will work. But I bet that if you are on a cart, each of the teachers that you're pushing into has an area where the students um, gather for instruction or perhaps like a reading time. And if you decide to use that area as well, then maybe you can chat with the classroom teacher, like ask them, how do you, how do you have the students gather here? Do you call them by tables? Do they come in rows? Is there a system that um, you can copy to make the transition smooth for both you and for your students because you know what's going to happen. You're going to do it your way and they're going to be like, that's not how Miss So-and-so does it. So you might as well figure out how Miss So-and-so does it and stick with that. When I was in a portable, I tried for months, for months, I, I'm, not, I'm a slow learner, y'all, to lead instruction while my students were at their tables. And if you've ever done that or if you're currently doing that, then you already know it's a disaster. If you're a slow learner like me, then you should stop that nonsense. They were distracted and they were distracting. My portable was small, but I quickly learned the importance of creating an area on the floor for us to all gather and for us to begin the lesson. Did they moan and groan and complain at first? Yeah. They were like, the floor is cold. So-and-so's in my space. Why don't you have a carpet? But things got better. I got better. I put lines of tape on the floor. I gave assigned spots when it was necessary, but I never did cave on that carpet thing. And pretty soon they stopped bringing it up. It's so funny. In my classroom, they'll even say, hey, guys, come to the carpet when we're like having a, a class meeting or whatever. And it's so funny. They call the area on the floor where I don't have a carpet, the carpet. And I, in this building I'm in now, I've yet to hear a student say anything about the fact that I don't have a carpet for them to sit on. It's a personal preference of mine. I don't know if I've shared with it, you with it before. I just feel like carpets are, um, or rugs, I find them to be like germ sponges, I just know how frequently my friends like to tinkle or get sick and sneeze and cough and all that other business. It's just not for me. Once again, I shall be stepping down from this soapbox. My goal in my art room is to make everything crystal clear for my students. And by the look of my space, there should be no question in their mind what my expectations are without me even mentioning it to them. I mean, that's like, that, let's get real, that's the ideal. And I do have to remind them over and over again. But I want to make it look as though, <laughs> I think they just asked me, I just have to say it over and over again because they're children. But I, I 
want it to be clear. So at the door to my room, the line of tape that stopped outside of my door, it continues once you're in my room. It's a line that they are to follow as they enter. And later, it's the line where they stand right before they exit. It leads them directly to that instructional area on the floor where they are to sit. And in that area, there's rows of tape to indicate the rows where I wish my students to sit. I no longer have assigned spots, but I do make it clear that they are to fill in like the first row first, second row second, and I show them how I'd like them to sit, which is either crisscross or side saddle. Again, the decor of your room, it just needs to take a serious back seat. Like maybe even put it in the trunk. After deciding where your instructional area will be and how your students will get there, think about what it is you want your students to see. Top priority should be your rules, your foundation, those broad brushstrokes that we keep talking about. Mine are handmade and painted on canvas right at the front of the room, my rules. My why is also right there in my instructional area where they can see it. That happy sad board that I was chatting with you about last week, it sits on my desk. Um, and I just have some other fun things that I've managed to pick up, you know, along the way. But again, backseat. What's important is getting them in there when you're setting up your room, making it clear for them to understand where it is that they're to come in and sit down for instruction. All right, cart friends. Many of these things that I've mentioned, like rules and the, the cutesy little sayings or maybe even your art class catchphrase or your why, those are things that perhaps you could put on your cart, maybe have them permanently displayed there. Just a thought. Okay, so supply gathering area. Once you've got an idea of what you envision for your instructional space, it's time to start thinking about how you will dismiss your students from that area to begin creating. In my art room, my students are responsible for gathering their individual supplies. And by that, I mean they got to go and get their own paper, their paintbrushes, a sheet of construction paper, that kind of stuff. The supplies that they share with their friends, like oil pastel, watercolor, cups of water, those are either already on their tables or they're being passed out by me and some helpers that I happen to call on um, as the rest of my students are gathering supplies. And let me just explain how it works. So if you're envisioning how to set up a supply gathering area in your work, you'll get a good idea. So directly behind my rows of students in that instructional area is a long rectangular table. And on that table are the individual supplies that they are responsible for gathering. Also on that table are all of the individual supplies for all of my classes throughout the day. So how do they know what to get and how do they you know, know what to leave behind? I'll be talking more about that um, soon, but for now I'm just gonna give you the short answer because I tell them what they need to get. And usually a friend in front of them or behind them will say, hey, you don't need that paintbrush. We're not painting today. Or a friend will say, hey, you forgot to get your paper. You just tell them. The table of supplies, 
we call that the store. Well, we used to call it the art supply store, but that got too long. So we shortened it and it's just called the store. And anytime my kids need something, it can usually be found at the store. When I tell the kids what supplies they'll need to grab, we call it shopping at the store. And then I dismiss them by rows to go shopping. They form a line, they walk past the table of supplies, and they get what they need. This cafeteria-style method of gathering supplies, it works really well for me. Every morning, I place everything on the table that I want all of my classes to get. So as you're setting up your art room, think about how will you have your students collect their individual supplies? Is there a table that you could use and make into a store for your students? Or will you have select students pass out the supplies? And if you're on a cart, could the top shelf shelf of your cart be like your store where the kids carefully take just what they need? Or maybe there's going to be like a designated place in the classroom that you could use as a store. All right. Now that we've got that part figured out, kind of like the store, the supply gathering area, now let's talk about their creating space, the tables. Once my students have grabbed their supplies, they move on to their tables. And at their tables are the supplies that they'll share with their table mates. My students sit four to a rectangular table and they share supplies either with the person right next to them or maybe with everybody at the table. It just depends on the art supply. And as your students move to the tables, they should be able to do so with ease, right? It should be really simple for them to get to their seats. They shouldn't be bumping into one another. I've even been known to tape arrows on the floor so that it's like a one-way kind of street. How you arrange your tables will affect this traffic pattern, we'll call it. It'll also affect how your students create. I've moved tables and chairs around in nearly every configuration possible. And what I've currently settled on for the last couple of years is having my tables in kind of a, I guess, a horseshoe um, pattern or design around my whiteboard, around my large whiteboard. And I can continue to redirect and reteach from there if needed. And I can easily have all my students look at me from there. So once you've got your tables rearranged, it's time to think about how you will designate the, the tables, meaning like, are your tables going to be color-coded? That's what I do for mine. It's just the easiest. Or are you going to name your tables after artists or elements of art or past boyfriends? Whatever, you know? There's so many ways to designate your tables, but I'd recommend going the easy route. The year that I tried to name mine after the elements of art, the kids were just so confused, mostly because I would make really stupid jokes like, shape table, y'all better shape up. Hey, line table, y'all better get yourselves in line. Yeah, the joke was on me. They had no clue what table I was ever talking to. So when I color code my tables at the start of the year, I do so with a large sheet of bulletin board paper. The red table gets draped in red paper. The orange gets all orangified. You get the idea. The paper literally lasts about two weeks before the kids annihilate it. And then I simply take a color-coded strip of duct tape and I put that around the edge of the table. And that stays all year. As for you guys on the cart, well, you ain't got time to be moving tables around and renaming them. 
I'd again just chat with the classroom teacher, take a look at how they have the tables set up and just work from there. Since you're on their turf, the kids are also going to know the routines of their classroom, although they will pretend that they, quote, forgot. Don't you let them. Now, of course, there's like additional art supplies, right? Um, let's talk about, as you're setting up your room, where to set your art supplies for your students. I have four places where kid-accessible supplies can be found in my art room. And each is kept in one of those four places for a reason. The supplies that I put at the store, those are the individual supplies that my students are responsible for grabbing. I don't have my paper. That's because you were supposed to get it at the store. Where can I get a paintbrush? And that's when I said to all of the kids, hey, where can I find a paintbrush? And they all say in unison, at the store. I only keep three supplies on their tables. I only keep pencils, erasers, and scissors in a caddy. And that's it. My caddies are also color-coded. Um, just with a little hosing down of spray paint, and they sit in the middle of each table. And I found that those three supplies are the ones that we always seem to need on hand, and that's why I keep them there. But then there's the supplies that I mentioned earlier, like watercolor paint, oil pastels, crayons, that kind of thing. Those are kept in two separate places. Paint and water cups, they're kept on my counter next to the sink. And when my students are shopping at their store, writing names on papers, whatever, I'll grab a couple of helpers and have them help me pass out those supplies. But then there's other supplies that I keep in a place that's accessible for my students. And those supplies are like oil pastels, color pencils. Those are in color-coded bins. And I have trays of oil pastels, markers, and color pencils and the like for selected students to go and grab for their table. And at the end of art class, those same kids can return them to their bins and to the table um, so that the tables are now clear for the next group. So just think about that as you're setting up your room. Think about how can you create an area for kids to gather their own supplies, whether that be on your cart or a shelf or a counter. What supplies will be used often enough that you want to keep them um, permanently on your table? And how will you designate which table grabs which supplies and from where? And how are they going to be returned? These are the things we got to focus on when we're setting up that room. And then you got to think about clean up time. Oh, Lord in heaven above, please save me from this epic disaster. That is clean up time. This is the little prayer that I say before each and every single clean up time. That being said, <clears throat> cleanup time does not have to be a disaster. It just usually is for me because I'm always, and I do mean always, late. Despite the timers, the alarms, the kid reminders, I'm always just hand-waving with a, we got plenty of time, you guys, only to have the PE teacher pop her head in 30 seconds later and be like, so, Stevens, y'all planning on teaching both of these classes? Because I got another one out here waiting for you. That being said, when it is time to clean up, having a layout and a plan of action is really essential. Just like the flow 
of your students when they enter, gather supplies, proceed to their seats, yada, yada, yada. You got to have a flow for cleaning up and returning things. And in my art room, it's it's kind of a flow. It's a, it's a working flow. I have a small drying rack and a trash can at the end of every two tables. And the red and orange tables in my art room, they sit next to each other. So when my students at those tables are done painting, they know to walk to their designated drying rack, forming a line starting at the bottom and moving on up to the top. And I have the same kind of setup for my yellow and green tables, my, my blue and indigo tables. You get the idea. I've established where kids place things during cleanup. However, I always review both during instructional time and just before cleanup. Why? Because you can never say it enough. Cleanup time has the potential of dissolving into chaos. Trust me, I should know. You do not want to end your class on that note. It will result in frustration for you and for your students. So if you establish a flow and a routine and you stick with it, then that should really help. And if you're on a cart, your cleanup is going to be serious business. I mean, after all, you are not only in somebody else's space who might not take very kindly to messes, but you also have other places that you need to be and people you got to see. So how you clean up with your students will depend on your setup. But reminding those students repeatedly of your routine, that's definitely going to help. All right. Last but not least, is exit. Place yourself back in your student's shoes. Is it clear where they are to line up and exit your room? In my room, the exit line is the same as the entrance line. And once they exit, they should know how to behave in the hall. Yeah, should. Takes a little bit of reinforcing, but we usually get there. In the end, how you set up your art room is really just a matter of choice. It's a matter of that art room masterpiece that you're trying to create. How I begin my art class may be completely different than how you begin yours. How your students gather their supplies or hear instruction may be in complete and total contrast to mine. And that's a great thing. Remember, we all teach from different S's. We have different students, situations, setups, and mostly we're all different ourselves. So as you set up your art room, put yourself in your students' shoes. Try to see your art room through their eyes. Does it flow? Does it make sense? Are your expectations and routines for how they move around your room clear? Whatever you decide, though, just know that your art room is organic. It's going to grow and change as you do as a teacher. My room changes literally all the time. Some things are going to work beautifully while others ain't. They just ain't. So don't be afraid to move a table, switch the script, change your instructional area, figure it out as you go. That's the beauty of starting over again every single day. Good luck setting up that art room, y'all. Remember, focus on that flow, then work on that decorating. <laughs>